0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support.
1: Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
0: Hello, Admirals! You're listening to episode 228 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded on Thursday, June 25th, 2015, and available for download or streaming on Monday, June 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna.
2: I'm Jace. And I'm Cam.
0: Jace, why don't you tell us what we have in store this week?
2: This week, we're interviewing the team behind the upcoming Star Trek fan film, Star Trek Captain Pike. In Star Trek Online news, we'll be reviewing the latest featured episode, Time in a Bottle, and looking at the highlights from this week's patch notes. In Command School, Cam will be taking us through the new Tier VI Cruisers now available in the Zen Store. And as always, before we wrap things up, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
1: Speaking of hailing frequencies, it's great to receive all your messages so chat with us during our live stream on Thursday nights at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live or answer our community questions by commenting on our website, Facebook.com forward slash one, or via Twitter at STO Priority one.
0: Did you know that this podcast isn't all that we've been up to? Be sure to keep your eye on PriorityOnePodcast.com for the latest in Trek-themed news and reviews and special Star Trek Online videos made specially by our team.
2: Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of their support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page.
0: Hi everyone, this is Cookie Cupcakes. As you know, we're working on producing a whole new show designed to spice up episodes of Star Trek with our own colorful commentary. But we could use some help with its production. We're currently looking for an audio editor and a web developer with experience in WordPress. If you're interested in joining the team, shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com with the subject, On Screen, and tell us how you would like to contribute
1: one last thing listeners priority one productions is looking for a new volunteer associate web developer we have an ever-growing web presence and our one current developer is stretched pretty thin so any help is appreciated wordpress experience is a plus if you're interested in this position shoot us an email at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or click on Redshirt Uncle Sam on our website for more information We also have some special news this week. We'd like to extend a very warm welcome to our newest audio editor, Asmaria Depost. We're so pleased to have her on our team.
2: Before we move on with the show, all of us at Priority One Podcast would like to send our condolences to the friends and family of James Horner, who died in a plane crash this past week. He was a popular film composer known for Titanic and Avatar, among others. Trek fans will know him from the scores for The Wrath of Khan and The Search for Spock. He was 61.
0: And now, let's talk to the creators of Star Trek Captain Pike. Jordan, please. I don't know. Then let's Trek it out.
2: Joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast is the team behind the fan-produced film Star Trek Captain Pike. Creator, co-writer, director, and actor Todd Tay and co-writer Walter Doty. Thank you both for joining us.
3: Thanks for having us.
2: Thank you. So, why don't we start off, gentlemen, tell us a little bit about the genesis of the film, from where did you draw inspiration, and what's the story you want to tell?
3: Basically, uh, we drew inspiration from the pilot, Cage, which was the original series pilot with Jeffrey Hunter, and we felt there were, there were a lot of unanswered questions in that pilot, and uh, they did a follow-up, The Menagerie, which was a two-part episode, And uh, I just thought it was really interesting how uh, Spock was really loyal to Captain Pike and was willing to betray Kirk because of Pike. And we never got a chance to see the story of why he was willing to do that. We just knew he was loyal to Pike, but why? And and I, I think that was something that the fans wanted to see. I wanted to see myself. And I thought it made a great story to actually show the relationship form and and see Pike take command of the Enterprise and his first mission on the Enterprise and assuming command from Captain April before him. So I thought that was all interesting stuff that we'd seen and you know we we might see some of that in a cartoon or like some novels or comics, but we never saw any of it on film. And I thought it would make just such a
2: great film. Very cool.
0: So. There are a lot of new Star Trek-related fan-made movies and projects that are coming up that we've been hearing about. Can you tell me a little bit about what sets Captain Pike apart from the others?
3: Uh, Captain Pike is not a replica of the original series. So in other words, the lighting won't be the same, the way it's shot won't be the same, the exactness to everything on the original series fan films will not be the same my whole belief is that this has been done with the original series and there are there are also other fan productions that do this so well what do I have to offer by doing the same thing so we're not doing the same thing we're doing an edgier world a different world where it's it it, it's a belief that you're in space and and living this life Um, and it's it's a darker tone it's a more serious tone that the cage uh, cage hat.
1: Well, I think it's also not a continuation of Star Trek. Is, yeah. These aren't the voyages of Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. it's the voyages of Captain Pike. So it really is like an unanswered piece of the puzzle, I think. Yeah, it takes place
3: before Kirk, so it, it's everything that happened before Kirk. Uh, you know Kirk idolized Pike like he idolized a lot of other captains in Starfleet, um, and you actually get to see why, and you get to see Pike's story and him taking command of the Enterprise and his missions. And, and you get it updated um, for today, um, because it's something that we want to see in a way that's believable for us today. That the way that dialogue is written, the story the way it's written. Everything that I loved about the original series was you know the character development, the investment you had with the, the characters. It, it wasn't about just the effects that you were getting, because they didn't really have great effects, because they didn't have the technology then. So, so to me, it, the script and the story Is the most important thing and how could we take that from the 1960s and bring it into today where it's believable not into a different world into the same world we had then, but done in a way that people will say hey that's that's pretty cool
1: Uh, that sounds extremely exciting I'm looking forward to that Um, I want to talk about the crowdfunding Mm -hmm. one thing that is important to many crowd funders is understanding how their contributions are being spent Can you give us a brief overview of how crowdfunding will enhance the project?
3: Yeah, I mean, all the crowdfunding, the whole budget is actually on the site of where all the money goes. So it's, it's basically, we're asking for only a half hour, for 30 minutes, and it, it goes to basically run the thing. I mean, you have to feed. You have a lot of people in the crew. You have a lot of people that are acting. You have uh, supporting actors, extras, the main actors. You have to feed those people Ready every single day. Space, you so. have to rent the studios. We, these, these are not studios that I'm building in my backyard. You know, I have to rent it to pay rental fees for the studio. You have to pay a stage manager to be there when you rent the studio. You have to pay for all the people's time. You can't have them do it for free. You know, these are these are very well established actors. If you've seen our cast list, these, these are these are pretty big actors, and yeah, and
2: you've got a great lineup.
3: Yeah, I mean, you got you know Ray Wise, Eric Roberts. I mean, some pretty big names, and and these are people that that are just they love the script and they love the idea of it and the whole concept. And, and a lot of them have worked with me before, and I'm a professional filmmaker, producer, director, and I've done this before. So this is not. Uh, I am a fan, but I'm not doing this just as a fan. That doesn't know how to get into the production end of it. Uh, I'm doing it as someone who knows how to, how to come across and do this film because I've done production my whole life. So everything that we're doing, I know the costs. I know what it costs to rent cameras. I know what it costs to rent equipment. I know what it costs for lenses and everything that we need um, to do this film. So And we've posted all the costs as well. And you know you can go through all that and check that and that's, that's where the money is going. It's, it's very little for what we're doing. And and also every day that you shoot is a cost. So it, you know, we, we, if we get 50k, we could do the 30 minutes. If we go above that, we can add pages on that we can do. We have a two-hour script that we can do a longer film than 30 minutes. Um, if we have more funding, so it, it all depends on you know. Like I said, every day that you pay for shooting is another day that you have to pay for food and all the other costs involved. Absolutely.
2: Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And again, we really appreciate you coming and talking to us about Captain Pike. What are the best ways for folks to follow the project? You mentioned the site, of course.
3: Yes, if you can go to, um, you know, the Indiegogo and just put in Star Trek, Captain Pike, or you go to Facebook.com, Captain Pike movie, or Star Captain Pike.com. Any of those sites will link you to the Indiegogo. And anything you could donate, if you could donate a lot, we'd appreciate it. If you could donate a little, it still helps. And if you, if you can't donate anything... And you like the idea of the project, then please support us by sharing and tweeting and just putting the project on all the social media sites you have and promoting it. We have banners on our website, StarTrekCaptainPike.com, that you could download and just put up on your sites just to promote the project. And that'll get more people so we can get funding to do it. Because, I mean, we've got Walter Koenig. We've got so many people involved in this film. And uh, should we tell them we, we just added another actor today? Oh, please do. We just added uh, Walter E. Jones from uh, from the Shield Power Rangers. He'll be one of the captains as well. I just I met with him today and he's confirmed as to be in the in the film too.
2: Oh, awesome. Very nice. Well, folks, as usual, those links will be in our show notes, so we encourage you to check out Captain Pike.
0: Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online.
2: Computer status report. Status. Incoming message.
0: I'm only in
2: the mood for good news today. Minimal patch notes this week, though, we did get a fix to the audio issue that was preventing us from hearing some of the voiceovers in a number of episodes. Plus, a graphical fix that may help performance in areas with lots of effects and animations. Otherwise, the two downtimes we had this week have been largely a network update. We'll have to see what today's fixes bring. I know performance improvements, at least from my perspective, cannot come soon enough.
0: In the latest featured episode, it seems as though the tide of the war may finally be about to turn. Time in a Bottle brings us face to face with the mysterious crenum, gives us more clues to the Iconians' motivations, and maybe, just maybe, gives us hope that perhaps the Iconian War isn't as much a lost cause as we thought. As always, brace for impact, spoilers incoming!
2: At the start of the episode, we learn that a Ferengi called Quan has turned up on Drozana Station with a mysterious artifact, rumored to be of Krenim origin. The Krenim, we learn, are an ancient race, all but destroyed by the Vadwar at the command of the Iconians. We're tasked by the Alliance to retrieve the artifact at any cost. On Drozana, Quan is already in negotiations to sell the artifact to another Ferengi, and his rather menacing-looking party of Nausikins, who are not keen to have competition. After a skirmish, the Nausikins are taken care of, but Quan is still not eager to deal with us. Enter Captain Nog, son of Grand Nagus Ram, brandishing his father's staff. After a uh, rather amusing exchange between Nog and Quan, he relents and we are left with the Krenim artifact. The only problem? No one knows what it is or how to make it work.
1: We fly with Nog to the Kiana system, which is nothing but a space wasteland of wreckage and a lonely moon in the middle. The Vaudoir and the Heralds are here too, and we fight off a few waves of them as we try to scan the moon for suspicious activity. Something is going on down there, and Nog thinks we need a closer look. Down on the moon's surface, Nog is getting closer to making the mysterious Krenim device work. But now, the heralds are attacking thick and fast. We're nearly there, and then knock disappears, and we are left on our own to fend off the remaining attackers. Things are looking grim, when suddenly, there's knock, and we're in a city, with people, and fuzzy herald-shaped ghosts drifting about.
0: So, that ancient Krenim artifact, yeah, it pulls people out of time, all time and not just people. Once you help the Krenim with a few technical issues, they reveal that the Kiana system isn't so empty after all. They've hidden an entire planet, and they're willing to help the Alliance in the fight against the Iconians. Oh, and by the way, remember when we were helping the Krenim with their sneaky temporal who's he what's it? We got to listen into the Iconians, who are starting to take us a little more seriously. And they're saying something about, the whole must be as one, the other saved us from oblivion, and it took centuries to rebuild the bonds. Perhaps their motives are a little more complex than we first thought.
2: Anyway, back to the Krenim. By now, the Heralds and the Iconians have left the Kiana system, thinking we have fled. Our ship calls in to say, Hey, uh, you guys have any idea there's a planet up here that just appeared? Time to beam up and head for home, or in my own case, and I'm probably not the only one, back to Risa."
0: So, guys, this was a jam-packed episode. It was hard fitting it all in. First impressions, what did you think?
1: Five stars, I think I said that last week and I'll repeat it again
2: this week. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I needed that turning point. I found the previous episodes, even though I understood where it was going and the pacing, fairly depressing. And when we were only getting an episode every few weeks, that's a long time to, like, be in the dumps, you know?
0: Yeah, agreed. No, I loved this episode. I I felt really into it. I totally got what was going on. I thought the action was fast paced and enjoyable. And I think it had a lot in there, and I got a lot out of it.
2: Yeah, I like fighting the heralds. They're um, they just I feel there's a different cadence to fighting them than some of the other opponents. They complement each other better than some of the different types of mobs in the other critter groups. Could just be me.
0: Yeah, no, I wanted to talk about gameplay, because this is very ground heavy, and it's the first episode in a long time, personally, where I've really enjoyed the ground encounters.
2: Yeah, they had a certain intensity to them, but I'm also trying to play into that, even though now I'm getting a little bit more, uh, competent at fighting the Heralds, I still just sort of go in guns blazing and and try to play it by ear, not the very reserved, uh, game way that I play most of the rest of the encounters.
1: You do have to do a little bit of thinking against the heralds, not like other critter groups.
0: Yeah, there is a little more to them. You have to be a bit smarter about where you stand and what kind of tactics you use. This, for me, felt a lot more like some other uh, better-known shooter games, uh, personally. Just the the layout of the maps, um, the waves of people coming at you, and this whole idea that you have to protect Nog while he's working on his thingamajig. Um, I really liked it. So there's also some juicy stuff in here plot-wise. Stop me if I'm wrong. Is it just me? Or is anyone else feeling oddly suspicious of the Alliance and starting to think that something else might be going on here?
2: Do you mean the uh, original Alliance that defeated the Iconians?
0: Well, no, our current Alliance. So us and the Klingons and everybody who is now fighting against the Iconians. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. and I'm not sure if it might have been a bit ham-fisted or... It just might have been poor writing, I don't know. The Crenum, when they were talking about possibly forming an alliance with us, the people on our team were reticent and not sure, and we're not sure, so sure about these Krenim people. Um, it seems like it might not necessarily end up being a good thing, teaming up with them.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling that we're going to get ourselves into some trouble before we get to the end of this story.
1: I agree. I think we're going to get into some trouble and I think we're going to be pulling some people's fat out of trouble as well. This is my personal opinion, though.
0: Um what you said before about the alliance who fought the Iconians, it kind of they they talk about that again in this episode that an unknown alliance defeated Anarax's timeship. So... yeah, that's a
2: little that's a little weird and temporally funky because that has something to do with the history reset from the Voyager episode. I expect there's probably more we'll learn about that. Yeah. Probably.
0: We haven't really been, t- we don't know who all these unknown people are, and I'm hoping they'll resolve that as as we get more featured episodes, but I, I think it's, it's presented as though the plot is pretty cut and dry. The Iconians are the baddies, and we're obviously the goodies, and the Krenim, we found them, they're gonna help us be better goodies. But I, I don't think that's going to be the end of it. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the recent Tales of the War blog, plus the dialogue among the three main Iconians, kind of suggests that there's a little more factionalism in them, and that what the Preservers told us about them, you know, that they, they used to be more good, if you want to call it that, and have mm-hmm. lost their way. We, we, may get, we may get some more strands of that.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So, finally, overall scores from you guys:
1: five out of five.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I think each one of these is, has kept up with the standards of the last, at least for me. I probably enjoyed this one even a little more than the last one, which is uh, saying something.
1: Lance Dragon, Orangitis, and myself recorded a video of us running through this mission last weekend. It's currently available on the Priority One YouTube channel. A link to the video will be provided in the show notes. Awesome. A quick surprise blog released today... Fleet versions of the tier 6 veteran heavy destroyers are arriving. I will not go into too much detail as we've already covered these ships. I'll just say that the fleet versions gain a 10% hull hit point and shield hit point bonus and an additional console slot. They do not have a special unique console nor a starship trait to unlock. How do you claim one of these ships? All 1,000 day subscribers and lifetime subscriber players can claim these ships under the tier 6 category in the ship store.
2: And those are one fleet ship module, as usual if you already have a Zen ship? Correct. Great. Been looking forward to that. I like that new design. Since the release of Delta Rising, many of us have wondered when we would get a new fleet holding, and what it would be. This week sees the first announcement of the Delta Fleet Holding, the Fleet Research Lab with exteriors designed by Taco Fangs from concepts by Hector Ortiz. So far, we don't have a ton of information, but what we do know is that it's a base built using our new alliance with the Krenim, featuring some of their technology as well as their architecture. It seems that this base will focus on temporal manipulations and the R&D system. Could this be where we finally get a way to change or choose modifiers on crafted gear? We'll see. Oh boy, oh boy.
0: Oh, I hope so. I'm a big fan of crafting, so I'm really, really looking forward to what they're going to do.
2: Same here.
1: So, this gets me wondering, do you think that means we're going to see 10.5 in a few weeks?
2: Very possible.
1: Very interesting.
2: I have a speculation about 10.5, but I'll get into that in a little bit. All right.
1: Again, this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from... PWE, and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs. Here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse.
0: In response to some tweets about framerate issues on Ryza, Zeronius Rex replied on Twitter, We have been actively looking into this, hence the number of optimizations we've made to powers and FX lately, but software changes take a lot more time. It's all deep down in low-level code which is risky to change. I'm really sorry I don't have a timeline, but graphics issues are our number one priority right now.
2: Ah, uh, that's, that's subtle. They're number one priority. Mm. Mm,
0: oh, yeah. yeah see. That was a subliminal message yeah, just I for like us. Mm.
2: Mysteriously, Taco Fangs tweeted simply, Poop. <laughs> which led to agreement from Zero and executive producer Salami Inferno. Admiral Tade speculated that a voice actor fell through, perhaps. But Salami Inferno replied, "Nothing so tragic, just scheduley bits." And that's where I have my speculation about 10.5. I I suspect or fear that some feature they were hoping to have ready for 10.5 may be delayed, but I have no idea what yet, and that could be totally wrong. So we'll see.
1: Finally, Tom Meows, the cryptic cat Meowroni, did an AMA and asked me anything or sort of public interview, on Reddit on June 19th, answering many questions about himself and his work. We'll include the link in the show notes so you can check it out and see what Tom Yao's had to say for himself.
0: And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to.
1: Starting July 2nd, it's Bonus XP Weekend. So get to leveling on those alts who haven't yet made level 60, or just earn yourself a few shiny new spec points.
2: And, admirals, it's time to put on your finest swimwear and gear up for the Priority One Podcast Swimsuit Calendar Competition. You have until the end of the summer event to submit a screenshot, and we'll pick the best ones, along with some from our own team, to be made into a series of wallpapers for 2016. For more information, go to the webpage for this episode, PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO228.
0: That wraps up Star Trek Online news this week, and now over to Cam for Command School.
2: I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. Alright
1: cadets, hurry up and sit down. We're about to dive into a few new ships released this week. The Tier Six Battlecruiser and a Tier Six Heavy Warbird.
0: Announced very early last week, this patch included the release of the very latest Tier Six Ship Pack which will include updated versions of the Avenger, the Moog, and the Mogai. The first two are battlecruisers, while the latter is a heavy warbird, a.k.a. a destroyer.
1: We're going to talk about the Arbiter and the Kurak at the same time, because their stats, like the ships they're based on, are almost identical.
2: They both have eight weapons in a five forward, three aft configuration, three device slots, a nine turn rate with 50 inertia, and a .15 impulse mod, five engineering, one science, and four tactical consoles where the fleet variants add one science console slot to each. Plus 10 power to both weapons and engine subsystems. They can equip cannons. They come with the standard battle cruiser masteries and comrades. The bridge officer layout is one engineering commander, one lieutenant commander, tac intel hybrid, one tactical ensign, one lieutenant science, and the Lieutenant Commander Universal, which replaces the Lieutenant Universal from the tier 5 versions.
1: The Morrigue is an update of the Mogai Valdor. Like its tier 5 sibling, it's a destroyer, not a battlecruiser, with the technical designation of Heavy Warbird.
2: This one has 7 weapons in a 4 forward, 3 aft configuration, 3 device slots, 14 turn rate with a 60 inertia and a .20 impulse mod, 3 engineering, two science, and five tactical consoles, and the fleet version gets an additional engineering slot, plus 10 to weapon and engine power. Obviously, it can equip cannons as it's a destroyer. The standard singularity powers for a Romulan ship. Masteries, same as tactical warbirds. And its bridge officer layout is as follows. A tactical commander and lieutenant, a lieutenant commander engineer, an ensign science, and a lieutenant commander universal intel hybrid, which is interesting.
0: All three ships come with the universal console ablative hazard shielding, which when activated grants temporary secondary shielding. On expiration it grants a large shield and hull heal. The console provides a passive boost to shield hardness and regeneration.
1: According to the blogs, the consoles from the tier 6 battlecruisers can be fit on any faction battlecruiser example for federation players you'll be able to fit the console on the tier 5 avenger and the command battle cruisers the console is part of a two piece set with the variable auto targeting armament the two piece bonus is extra turn rate and weapon damage the console from the moriguu can only be fit on the mogai the valdor and the moriguu itself The console is part of a three-piece set with the shield absorptive frequency generator, otherwise known as the Valdor console, and the ionized particle beam from the Mogai. The three-piece bonus is increased max hull HP and turn rate. The Starship trait emergency weapon cycle has a 25% weapon cost reduction and a 10% energy weapon haste.
0: All three ships get the Emergency Weapon Cycle Starship Mastery trait. This trait grants, when slotted, activation of emergency power to weapons, will provide a reduction in weapon power cost, and grant a boost to weapon firing speed for the duration of emergency power to weapons.
1: Now for the really juicy parts. I hope you got your notepad and pencils ready. The battle cruisers are unique as they will allow us to run two Lieutenant Commander Tacticals. This means that for the first time on a cruiser, we will be able to run Attack Patterns Omega, Beta, and Fire at Will 3. Very exciting. That's not all. Because the Lieutenant Commander Tactical is a Intel hybrid, we'll also be able to squeeze in abilities like Overload Subsystem Safeties, I already have some theoretical builds brewing in my head and I can't wait to get these ships to test them out. The Morrigue is even more exciting. It can pull off a trick that very few ships can do. My theory craft for this would be to have Tychon's Rift 1 and Overload Subsystem Safeties 3 in the Lieutenant Commander Universal Intel Seat with the Starship Traits, All Hands on Deck, Greedy Emitters, and Emergency Weapons Cycle. The tactic would be to hit all your big buffs as you're approaching your target, open up with Tykan's Rift, you'll get 165 weapon power and no weapon cost strain for 10 seconds, followed by 20 seconds of reduced weapon cost strain. I can hear a bunch of you rolling your eyes already. Even more power creep for tactical captains. I beg to differ. Engineering Captains will probably get the best out of this. Imagine for a moment. Start off with Nadeon Inversion, which will give you 30 seconds of no weapon power drain. At the end of the 30 seconds, trigger Greedy Emitters. We're now up to 40 seconds. At the end of that proc, you trigger Directed Energy Modulation with Marion. That's another eight seconds for a total of 48 seconds of no weapon power cost strain. With all hands on deck, an engineer can theoretically trigger Nadeon inversion every minute. This has the potential to propel engineers to nearly on par with tactical captains. You can push your eyeballs back into their sockets now. I hope to have some videos recorded of these ships done this weekend. Stay tuned to the Priority One YouTube channel for more information.
0: I can't wait for these ships. It's the first ones in a long, long time that I've been really excited about, um, and particularly what you said about being able to slot two lieutenant commander tacticals is a big deal for me because I'm a tactical admiral, but I tend to fly cruisers. I fly a beamboat, don't give me a hard time, but because of that I'm always short on tactical buff seats. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: It's always a little bit hard to squeeze tactical abilities into a cruiser, but this one here, it just, I'm getting really excited about it.
2: Yeah, that's a very elegant arrangement. I really like how that works out.
0: That brings us to this week's community question. For you listeners, have any of you gotten your hands on these ships yet? What are your thoughts? What are your opinions about this review and the ship in general?
1: Hopefully, this session of Command School has helped your decision on whether or not to get your hands on one of these ships. We'll include this review in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO228. Let's open up hailing frequencies and see what's incoming.
0: Message
2: coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other. Admirals, were at that part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community question was, what are your opinions about the new featured episode and its rewards?
0: Shemrocksky commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, love the new FE and find the new DOF to be a great new creative addition, although not epic, still fun. I agree wholeheartedly with Cam and Kenna's remarks in this week's episode about play styles, fun and respect.
1: Tobias LTF, posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Absolutely love the new featured episode. These STO writers are getting better every featured episode. The rewards are okay, I guess. However, at this time, we only have the first reward. I will continue playing the new FE to get all the rewards and try them out. As always, I will continue to enjoy the spec point rewards to make progress in the trees without having to grind as much.
2: Small Yoda writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. I was really impressed with the new FE. Not only do we get to hear the voice of Nog in Star Trek Online, but we also get to hear more about the Krenim. There were several references to Year of Hell, one of my favorite Voyager episodes. I was hooked the moment the Kiana system was mentioned, along with the subsequent references to Anarax and his timeship. Perhaps this is a hint to a Krenim lockbox, with the ship inside being the Time Ship and the Lobie Ship being a Krenim warship? We shall see, small Yoda.
1: I don't know, maybe that that Time Ship was pretty huge. It'd be about the size of um, one of those Voth Citadels.
2: Was it that big? I don't remember. Oh
1: yeah, it was huge.
2: Maybe we'll get a mini version as a pet.
1: A scaled down version, maybe, you know, the Alliance can build something so big and mass-produce it, so they made a smaller version, who knows?
2: Could be, could be.
0: Neon Phase commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, So I have to say that this may have been one of the episodes that I sat through all of the dialogue for. I always loved the character of Nog on DS9. Furthermore, the Krenim story arc from Voyager Year of Hell was one of my favorites, and with the mention of Anorax and his temporal ship, I can't wait for it to show up in-game. Also, I'm a big fan of Kurtwood Smith, the actor who played Anorax, and would love to see Stowe bring him in for voiceover work. Side note, while out of temporal phase, didn't you just want to moon the Iconians?
1: Sean Newboy posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com As for the new cryptic forums, my biggest problem is the nested design. Also, the lack that I can find of a search function or update recently functions. I like the new rewards that they're doing for the new FE's. Not too thrilled with the wait for them, but the new reward types are nice. Great episode everyone, love the new videos too. P.S. As for the Q's, my doing the higher difficulties are all about the crafting commodity for better upgrade kits.
2: Each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming. Reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One. Or shoot an email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 228 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community question. Have any of you gotten your hands on one of the new Tier 6 battlecruisers? What are your thoughts? And even if you haven't, What are your opinions about the review and the ship in general?
2: Admirals, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our site, on our Facebook page, or with a Twitter reply.
1: Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via at STO priority one. You can even join the priority one podcast chat in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one.
0: Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Thanks to our patrons, we've already hit our monthly running costs, and the team was able to hook me up with a major microphone upgrade, so thank you all. Don't forget, even if you can't offer us a financial contribution, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us your support.
2: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com covering the ongoing development of Chris Roberts' upcoming space sim, Star Citizen. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
1: The Priority One fleet is recruiting, and with a new Tier 5 Starbase, there's never been a better time to join. If you're interested, just shoot us an email with your at-handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now, you can become part of our Klingon fleet divisions, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day
2: to join. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast for their ongoing, dedicated, and consistent contributions over the years. Including our executive producers, Elliot and Elijah. Our audio engineer, Michael McDonald, with audio assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Asmaria Post. Thanks to our graphic artist, Romulan Ale. To all our bloggers and their managing editor, Elle. To the writer of our Prelude dramas and foundry reviewer, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. To Chris Trone, our social media manager. And to consultant, Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media, for supporting this show. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready phasers. Engage.
0: Sorry, I've got another frog. Hang on. A... Sorry, yeah, rabbit, rabbit. Right. Have
1: you been dipping into our sulfur hexafluoride again?
0: <laughs> no, Cam, I haven't. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> I can't stop giggling. Okay. Oh boy,
1: oh boy, okay. we broke her.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, you guys carry on, carry on.
2: She just snapped.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: maybe we can get her to snort again
0: no <laughs> he answered one of my questions i was so excited oh yeah adorable. yeah and now over to cam Wait, oh my god who wrote that
2: cookie
0: Ah, <sighs> <sighs> she won't leave us alone but
2: <laughs> if you're out there send help <laughs>
1: For those of you out there in listener land, Cookie Cupcakes has been introducing naughty words into our script.
2: (laughs) Cam Man School.
0: Cam Man School.
2: Oh, I like that. I like that.
0: There you go. Don't. Don't. You'll give him a big head. (laughs) Well, that wraps up episode 220. I know. I should have written that out. Damn it, I do that every time. Want more.